Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. GM, GM, welcome back. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning into this bonus episode. I'm Dan Roberts. I'm solo today. And I'm really here just to tee up the great answers that we got from our first AMA, our GM AMA. Uh, internally, we've been calling these GM post games. And we launched these a few weeks ago with our first guest, Neil Stevenson. We had Neil on the podcast on March 4. And I guess I'd say before we play any of his answers during the AMA, go back and listen to that full episode. A lot of really interesting stuff in there, uh, especially. I enjoyed hearing Neil talk about how the future of the metaverse is not going to be all about goggles. He's not very bullish on those headsets. He does think they'll continue to exist. Some people will want those, but for the most part, we're already discovering that there's no need to have a headset on to enter the metaverse. You know, he thinks it's good enough to have it on a flat screen and he's fine with the fact that you're not fully immersed. You could turn to your right or left and see the real world or focus on the screen in front of you and be in the metaverse. That was cool. Uh, Also enjoyed hearing him talk about what people get wrong about the metaverse. You know, he said that as soon as someone says a metaverse or metaverses, he knows they don't get it because there really should be one big open metaverse. And I, I told him, I think it's the same when you talk about blockchain. You know, blockchain is a form of technology. There are many blockchains. So in some ways, it's the inverse of what he was saying about metaverse. So when I hear someone say, we'll do it on the blockchain or put it on the blockchain, I know that they probably don't really understand because there's not just one blockchain. Usually they probably mean the Bitcoin blockchain, but of course there are many different blockchains. So we're going to continue doing these AMAs with any of our guests that are willing to do them. Neil was willing to do one and soon we'll be doing another with Friederike Ernst, who is the co-founder of Gnosis. And I think the format for replaying these answers for you is we're going to do these bonus kind of mini episodes like this. So with no further ado, we had Neil drop into our GM Telegram room. You can join the room as well. It's t.me slash GM podcast, open to all. And Neil answered a lot of the questions that listeners had using audio memos. So let's just tee them up. Our first question was from Liam Kelly who is one of our own at Decrypt. He's our DeFi guy and our Europe news editor. He wrote, here's a couple questions I have. What are the best and worst possible outcomes for a metaverse? How, if at all, do cryptocurrencies or blockchain tech manifest in either of those visions? And in terms of convergent technologies, do you think there are any viable combinations of AI and crypto? Of course, AI is something we're thinking about a lot right now at Decrypt. And finally, he asked Neil, what are you reading right now? Here's what Neil said best and worst possible outcomes for a metaverse. I think if it's like social media is today, that's pretty bad because I think it's clear that uh, the way social media has developed uh, in the last 10 years or so has had a, a, a really significantly terrible impact on our society and, and politics. Um, 
So, you know, the idea of uh, what we're pursuing with Lamina One is to try to um, come up with a, uh, the, the uh, financial infrastructure and technological infrastructure that could support a way of, of running a metaverse that, that's sort of based on transparent economic transactions as opposed to um, sort of mysterious things going on behind the curtains in a, a monetization scheme that's based on um, ad revenue. Um, AI and crypto, uh, I don't, you know, AI is such a broad term uh, at the moment. Most people are currently thinking in terms of systems for generating art, uh, text, and so on. I, I'm just not interested in it. Sorry. Um, what am I reading right now? I'm reading um, uh, Destroyer of Worlds by Matt Ruff. It's a novel that is a sequel to Lovecraft Country, uh, his previous book that was made into a really cool TV series. Okay, our next question that Neil addressed was from another decryptor. Uh, I promise not all the questions were from decrypt staff members, but this was from Andre Bogansky, who started his career with us as intern Andre. Now he's one of our staff reporters. Andre wrote, thanks for being here, Neil. To what extent did Meta talk to you before the company renamed itself from Facebook? What's your biggest piece of advice for emerging artists? And where do you look for your creative inspiration these days? Uh, uh, there was, there's been zero communication between me and <clears throat> Meta either before or after the uh, company renamed, it, renamed itself. Biggest piece of advice for emerging artists, keep doing it. Uh, it's a skill that you learn. It's not uh, magical inspiration. It's not an inborn ability. Um, and so uh, I, I think kind of the, the biggest mistake I see a lot of times with people working on writing is that they'll write one thing and then stop writing for a long time while they try to sell it. Uh, I think you just have to keep practicing. Think of it more like cabinet making or soccer playing and that the more you do it, the, the better you get. All right, next up, one of our listeners named Ryan said, GM, y'all, couple questions for Neil. In the GM interview, there is a discussion of the metaverse as accessed via VR versus flat screen. Can you comment on the role of AR as a component of the metaverse? Of course, AR, augmented reality. And then second question from Ryan, have you read any of the recent nonfiction books on the metaverse? For example, from Matthew Ball, Kathy Hackle, or Mark Van Riminen. If so, any reflections, criticisms, or favorites? You know, in the book, in Snow Crash, uh, there's really two completely different kinds of, um, of people running around uh, wearing goggles. Uh, the, the one that's got obviously the most attention is people using VR goggles to access the metaverse, but there's a whole separate class of people mentioned in the book who are known as gargoyles who are using AR instead. Um, in other words, they're, uh, they're seeing, they can see what's happening in the real world, but superimposed on that, there's additional data coming in uh, through a, uh, uh, some kind of pass-through or see-through system. Um, and those are different things. Uh, like, um, uh, I think it's inherent to the idea of a metaverse that uh, you're moving around in a rendered imaginary space um, that's disconnected from your physical surroundings. Um, that's kind of the, the whole purpose of it. Um, AR is a, a whole different bag. And, um, and so I still think it's interesting. I've worked at an AR company for a while, but 
Uh, I just think it's different from, from the metaverse as we normally talk about that. All right, next up, Neil answered a question from our own Stephen Graves. Stephen is one of our rotating co-hosts of the GM podcast, so loyal listeners know Stephen. He wrote, is a Snow Crash film or series any closer to production? Last I heard, it was in development at HBO Max. And then given the opportunity that an adaptation presents to tweak the story, is there anything you would change about the narrative? Here's what Neil said. It's no closer to production. Uh, you're correct that it was set up as a possible television series at HBO Max. But in um, late spring of 2021, I think they passed on it. Um, and so uh, since then, uh, it has been inactive. Um, changing about the narrative, you know, <clears throat> like my favorite thing I'd like to change if I had the, that power would be to, um, to have the, uh, uh, the Falabalas, the, the people who've fallen under the spell of, uh, of El Bob Reif be, be more like, you know, people who watch too much Fox News. Um, the, the thing that happened between when I wrote the book and now is the rise of uh, communication networks, both conventional broadcasting and online that are geared towards deliberately pulling people into an alternate reality and um, getting them to believe shit that isn't true. And um, so to me, there's an obvious link that could be drawn between that and the, uh, the, the people in the, the book who are known as Falabalas or you know people who've kind of gotten sucked into this, uh, this cult-like uh, mind control system. Okay, next up, Jason Primrose, who is a sci-fi author as well as an artist, and he came to our recent Camp to Crypt event in Napa. He is the author of the children's series Lost Children of Andromeda. Jason wrote, hi, I'd love to hear more about Lamina One blockchain and its creator fund, why you started it, and what you hope to accomplish for creators. It's a pretty common thing with blockchains to have an ecosystem fund um, because they rely basically on network effects. The more people you have using your chain and, and exchanging tokens, uh, the, the, the more of a kind of stable economy you can build out of it. Um, and uh, Lamina One's no exception. The, uh, the L1EF, as we call it, the Lamina One Ecosystem Fund uh, is just getting started. Uh, we announced it right at the end of 2022, and uh, we're still kind of in our, our first quarter, but, um, but that is the, the purpose of it. We want to find ways to support uh, people who want to build things using our system. And the, the idea is to, to actually uh, help creators do things that we think are new and interesting uh, in the space. Next up, we had a question for Neil from Mihai, who is the founder of Beam, B-E-E-M. Beam.xyz is a decentralized video streaming platform that we at Decrypt have actually tested out before. Mihai wrote, here's my question. How does Lamina One incentivize builders and projects launching their own metaverses to be interoperable and open? Here's what Neil answered. The whole premise of what we're building at Lamina One is um, the notion that um, in order to have a metaverse with millions of people using it, uh, we need to have experiences in that metaverse that, uh, that people find worth having. And it seems like kind of an obvious thing to say, but, but basically 
uh, nobody's going to go into the metaverse or be interested in it um, unless they're cool experiences. Um, and those experiences, by and large, are going to be uh, created by people who know uh, how to make games, because those uh, those are the people who understand the tool chain, animators, texture artists, uh, level designers, uh, programmers, sound designers, all the, the people who you see listed in the credits on a, a AAA game project or even an indie game project, are, are they're the ones who have the skill set needed to make uh, experiences that people will actually want to have. And so uh, in order to, um, uh, to get those people interested in working on those things, there, there needs to be a way for them to get paid. And um, there's different ways of doing that, but we happen to think that um, a decentralized blockchain-based system is a good way to set that up. Uh, we're certainly not alone in being believers in the idea of an open metaverse. Um, I, I, in August, I participated in a whole day-long conference at SIGGRAPH in August about the open metaverse, and it was organized by people from Epic. It was attended by people from, uh, from Roblox and Amazon Web Services and Pixar and, uh, and uh, other companies, NVIDIA, uh, with their Omniverse project, um, HTC with their Viveverse project. These are all major companies that um, have bought into the idea of an open metaverse as opposed to a centralized one. And uh, the contribution that we're trying to make at Lamina One is to build a layer one blockchain that will, uh, that will support those activities uh, as best we can. Okay, next question was from me. Uh, I felt a little piggy since I already got to co-host Neil on the full podcast, but I wrote, I've got a question only if there's time at the end. How does it sit with you that Snow Crash is your most famous and influential novel? Is that fair to say? Does that feel right to you? Which novel are you most proud of? Here's what Neil wrote. Um, you know, books are kind of like your kids. You can't say that you love one uh, or am prouder of one than another. Um, the 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 fact that Snow Crash has been famous and influential is something that I'm certainly uh, proud of. Um, but in terms of uh, sort of, uh, uh, of other books, you know, I like them all. I'm uh, I have a, a soft spot for the Baroque cycle and particularly for the Confusion, which is the middle book in the Baroque cycle. Um, had a lot of fun writing that. I uh, would like to write more historical fiction in the the future. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of uh, The Rise and Fall of Dodo, which I co-wrote with Nicole Galland. I'm, I'm proud of, of Seven Eves, uh, you know. So <clears throat> uh, to, to single one out feels wrong. Um, but, um, I, you know, I, I guess I wouldn't, I wouldn't write them and I wouldn't see them through to completion uh, if, I, if I didn't love those ideas. Um, and, you know, once I've written them, I or once I've engaged with the project, I try as hard as I can to, uh, uh, to make them as, as, as good as I have the power to. And finally, a few questions here to finish us up. Gabriel Nikias in our Telegram room wrote, in Cryptonomicon, you explore the world of cryptography and its role in shaping modern society. How do you see blockchain tech building on this legacy? And what do you believe are the most promising applications of blockchain tech? 
Then some people argue that technology can exacerbate existing social and economic inequalities, privileging those who are already wealthy and powerful. How do you see technology fitting into wider debates about social justice and economic inequality? And what role do you see for technology in efforts to create more equitable societies? And finally, Gabriel wrote, human-machine brain interfaces represent a potential revolution in the way we interact with technology, enabling us to control machines with our thoughts and emotions. How do you see this kind of interface differing from both augmented and virtual reality? And what are some of the most interesting and challenging ethical and moral questions that arise from this kind of integration? Cryptonomicon, of course, was written pre-blockchain. So uh, crypto was a thing, and, and people were thinking hard about how to how to use cryptography to create uh, systems for transactions that were independent of, of governments. Um, you know, it was a strongly libertarian inflected kind of movement. But at the time, they tended to assume that it wasn't going to work unless it was possible to find a jurisdiction that was politically <clears throat> safe where you could set up um, you know, a server rack or something uh, that couldn't be interfered with by a government. So that is kind of the driving plot device in Cryptonomicon. What happened afterwards, of course, is that uh, blockchain was invented and it's a decentralized system that no longer requires um, any sort of physical installation uh, to exist and be, be protected uh, anywhere in the world. Um, so it takes a lot of the drama out of that but it's an amazing uh, technology and um, has obviously gone through a lot of, uh, of further development since the original Bitcoin system was, was rolled out. I think the, the two applications I'm currently most interested in uh, relate to uh, obviously creating an open decentralized metaverse, which is something that we're working on at Lamina One and uh, possible application to carbon uh, removal, the creation of some kind of carbon coin that would create the financial incentives needed to um, implement carbon capture from the atmosphere on a truly massive scale. Thank you. All right. So that was Neil Stevenson's Telegram AMA that he did for us. Uh, I don't know, what was that? Seven or eight or nine questions he answered. So as you can see, that kind of gives you a feel of what these are going to be like. The guest drops in for about 20 minutes and answers using audio memo. I would encourage anyone listening, if all this stuff interests you, to jump into the room yourself. It's t.me slash GM podcast. And next up, we'll have one of these AMA episodes with Friederike Ernst, one of our recent guests from Gnosis. So stick with us, stay tuned, and we'll continue to share the AMA answers as little bonus episodes. See you later.